Welcome back to Throwing Hands. This is the second iteration of Matchup Mayhem. Um, second, the first one we did, just tons of matchups. There's no fight card, but there's a fight card this week, but it's not great. So we're not going to bore you. This is far more exciting. Wouldn't you agree, Toby? Yeah, sorry. I just ate a Clementine, but that's cool. Yes. Um, I will say on this weekend's card, there are some bangers. Like the yeah, main event we'll is very cool. Um, the fight that stands out to me, though, is Adrian Yanez and Jonathan Martinez. Absolute, gr- I mean, incredible Great. fight. By the way, it is Yanez, apparently. That's uh-huh. you know how he wants to be called, so being respectful. But yes, um, 294 was shaken up, and I'd say it took a turn for the better. Oh, much I, uh, better. 100% agree. And we'll we'll get to Yanez and um, Martinez and Yusuf and um, Barboza in a minute. But that we have far more pertinent things to talk about. So in case you haven't heard, if you've been living under a rock for a bit, I know Toby and I are getting to this late, but should we start with the co-main and the main? Because both are equally as big shakeups, I think. Um, let's start let's start with the co-main. We'll build oh, yeah, up start with main the main. So it was originally slated to be uh Hamzat Shemaya moving up to middleweight to fight uh Paulo Costa. Um but Paulo um had a staph infection which he tried to get surgically removed uh uh three weeks ago they didn't get it all so it came back and he had to get surgically removed again i believe wednesday so he had to pull out so who's the replacement kamar usman the nigerian nightmare um moving up to middleweight and whoever wins this fight between shemaev and usman gets a title the next title shot according to uh, uncle dana I completely agree with that because DDP, um, he, he should have fought Izzy. I'm someone said he had an injury. I don't know, but I I think this is a very deserving title shot. Usman moving up a weight class, I think, will probably be beneficial to him because he's a massive welterweight. I don't know how he cut down for so long. And Chimaev, you know, hopefully he won't have weight problems here. But this, I think, this matchup is infinitely better than Kostin Chimaev. Chimaev, I think Costa Chimaev is still a great fight. I hope that gets made in the future, but this is what I want to see. Yeah, um, it's a tough break for Costa. I mean, he, uh, you know, a lot of people give him some stuff for pulling out of fights, and he does tend to pull out of fights or, you know, show up 10 pounds heavy or whatever. But this one really, there's nothing you can do about it, right? You get a staph infection, it comes back, you have to get surgery. It's a tough break, but. We end up with a much better fight. And yes, I'm excited to see Kamar Usman at middleweight. I'm excited to see Hamza Shmaev at middleweight. Um, has he fought there once, uh, twice yeah, he, in the UFC? I think he fought almost all of his fights there except for uh, Gilbert Burns. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a big dude. You know, if you see him uh, next to some of his training partners out like Gustafson or Latifi, I mean, he's a big, big guy. So 185 is definitely the correct division for him to be in. And Usman, too, is also a big guy. 
Um, I just don't know if Usman at this stage in his career is as physically imposing as he once was. I don't know if he's as explosive, as capable as he once was. I do think that he has a pretty good shot in this fight. Um, you know, anyone just counting him out immediately, I think is uh misguided at the you know it is on short notice too though very nice so so that's um that's the thing to note uh he has taken this on a week and a half notice it's going to be tough especially against such a incredible opponent like hamza but you know the people who win in all this are us the fans if you're a fan of mma you have to love this fight and regardless of your feelings on kamaru uzman coming into this you have to have a degree of respect for him for taking a fight against a guy who almost nobody wants to fight uh, and he's going in there on a week and a half notice and he's going to try to get it done. So and then with the title shot, I get it. You know, I think I think with DDP, with his win over Whitaker, I think Whitaker is arguably the most well-rounded fighter in the middleweight division. So I think to beat a guy like that and to finish him, I think is a very good statement for a title shot. So I think he's very deserving of a title shot. And I do get what you're saying, too, about, you know, he could have fought Izzy. Um he didn't take that opportunity and we saw what happened when Sean Strickland did take the opportunity and he won. So, you know, I, I do get uh, both perspectives there. And honestly, whoever wins this fight, definitely deserving of a title shot as well. It's just a matter of, you know, who gets it first. Yeah. And we won't see DDP versus Izzy for a while due to the fact that Izzy's taking time off. Um, as he should, I, as he should. Yeah. I'm thinking a year. Uh, he has to do at least a year. Cause he, you know, as much as you, we dog him, for being a boring fighter we saw him every five months yeah so you know uh, yeah so hope- those guys meant volk and izzy their activity is crazy like their schedule their pace is just unbelievable yeah so They're fighting you know, all the time i hope izzy gets right mentally and figures some stuff out because I, I think he's i think he still has a lot of career ahead of him um yeah but yeah shout out to izzy man um so we talked about that earlier than i thought but okay this is this was big so uh, Charles Oliveira uh, was uh, fighting. Uh, well, I guess yeah, he was fighting um, and sparring clearly because he got a gnarly cut over his right eyebrow. Uh, you can see the bone. They must have been throwing elbows or something because that's insane. I don't know why you would do that because it, it reminds me of like when Kelvin Gaslam had to pull out a few months ago because someone threw a spinning back elbow in sparring and cut him across the nose. Which imagine being know, that guy. Not, yeah, we're not talking about Kelvin. Shout out Kelvin, though. He's fighting um, Sean Brady, I'm pretty sure, in December. So that'll be a fun fight. Uh, but anyway, so whom do they call? Volkanovsky to come up and rematch Islam Mahachev um, at 294. My boy, uh, Matosh Gamrat, wasn't pleased, even though that's not necessarily his role. His role was to be the backup at the weigh-ins in case something happens, not the replacement. There's a difference. But... Volk has nothing to lose here, man. If you really think about it, he's coming in short notice to take on Islam Mahachev in a fight. I thought he won the last time, but I'm not going to sit and complain that and say, oh, Islam won. Or, like, you know, it was clear. It wasn't clear. Um, but this is the fight. I, this is the fight that should have been made, I think. And I think the only reason Charles Oliveira got a title shot off Benil Dariush, who's a savage, I'm on the Benil hype train personally, is simply due to his popularity. Um, but dude, what's your thoughts on this? This is, this is much better. I think. Yeah, it was an interesting turn of events for sure. I personally, uh, really wanted to see Charles back in there because I think, I think Charles, you know, when you win 11 fights in a row, 
right? And sure, he gets knocked down and he has he faces adversity in these fights. You're still doing something incredible. And Islam is now at that point uh, that Charles was. I mean, Islam has like an 11 fight win streak. And I, I just think the build up to their first fight was amazing. The fight itself. Yeah, Islam dominated. But then for Charles to bounce back, because he easily could have done what he did earlier in his career, where he took a bad loss, he got finished, and then he's like, you know what, I'm just going to quit these next couple times out. I'm done. I don't really feel like getting back uh, getting back out there. But he came out against a savage, like you said. I mean, Benil Dariush, keep in mind, we're talking about, oh, Gamrot, you know, Gamrot wanted to be the backup. Dariush beat up Gamrot. I mean, he took it yep. to uh, Matush Gamrot. Uh, he knocked him down almost like flattened him that would and, flatline and, any other person yeah, yeah i mean shout out to camera he has a great chin but you know daryusha ran through him and it really wasn't a, a close fight uh, he defended almost all the takedowns and Oliveira just i mean the power man the precision that you know he laid on daryusha was incredible so i wouldn't have minded if charles had you know fought another time and then got the title shot but i also didn't mind that they were doing it right away either and it's the same thing for volkanovsky i mean it was a close first fight. Like I, I do believe Islam won, but I could definitely see the other side. I think that uh, regardless of how you score it, it's a fight that needs to be run back at some point. And I'm glad yeah. they're doing it now. I, I wish it would have been. My only issue with this is that I really want to see Volk and Islam both with full camps for each other, which they, they had the first time, right? I want to see that again because I want to see what changes they're going to implement because it's hard on a week and a half notice to go look back and say, and I'm sure Volk is in there training, you know, preparing for another Islam fight at some point. I mean, I'm sure he knew this would happen, but I don't think he knew it was going to be a week and a half from a couple of days ago. So I, I wish they would have had a full camp for each other again. But at the same time, Volk is such an adaptable guy. He is such a creative and intelligent fighter that if anybody can come in on a week and a half notice and come up with a game plan, it's going to be him and the yeah. team around him. Um, you know, he's bringing in Craig Jones. He's bringing in uh, all those guys that were in the first camp and that have been in his camp, you know, throughout these fights. So it's an incredible matchup. I mean, I can't wait to see it in. It def I, it is although I love Charles it is a better fight just in terms of uh you know the matchup I do think it's better than uh Charles and Islam. Yeah, I think I really do think if anybody can come in on like you said on short notice and win this fight it's Volk. And I think there's so many more questions coming into this uh than the first one. How's Islam going to adjust on 10 days notice? Um now he's he was training for a ground guy in Charles probably when it comes to the jujitsu, but Volk's a tougher guy to take down, and I I'm I am so intrigued. I, I really do think my gut's telling me Volk will win this, and I don't know why. And it's I think it's just the mentality that he has nothing to lose. Maybe I mean he might not fight at lightweight again if he loses. I mean that's a lot. However, that's just a different mentality. He's coming on ten days notice. But, you know, Vol uh, Islam's had a full camp. And, you know, both these guys have prepared for each other in the past. So, And they fought each other. There's so many elements to this fight that make it interesting to me. I can't wait. I, I think this is, you know, this this you know if this fight, if the last fight, Islam versus Charles was there, I wouldn't go, I would have gone to the, the football game. <laughs> I'm not saying I wasn't excited, but now I can't go to the football game. I got. I have to watch this on television. I'll tailgate, but I have to watch this on television, dude. I can't wait. This is gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's probably uh, skill for skill. 
probably the best fight that you could make in the UFC right now. So the fact that we get to see it two times within a year is pretty incredible. Um, it's not often that you get guys that are number two, number three, pound for pound, facing off against each other multiple times in one year. And I think regardless of the outcome, it's going to be super competitive. And it is interesting, you know, Islam became very accustomed you know he finished charles he finished uh dan hooker he finished bobby green you know he was running through these guys like it was it was first round second round and then he meets volk and volk is much shorter um you know i think islam i I wouldn't say that he took him lightly i just think he kind of got used to being the dominant bully on top and just beating up everyone that came his way. And you get this guy who's moving up a weight class, who's smaller than him, less physically imposing than him. And he gives you the most problems. I think uh, it's going to be an interesting test for Islam and his mental fortitude, you know, to see a guy who gave you so many problems. And even, even though I do think Islam won that fight, there's no doubt that the moments were won by Volkanovsky throughout most of the fight, um, especially in that last sequence, like with a minute left and he gets him down and he was just raining down shots on him. And Islam is bloodied up. He's battered. He's exhausted. That is something that sticks in people's mind. It sticks in the judge's mind. It sticks in uh, his mind, you know, both Volk and Islam. So Islam's going to remember that moment. And I don't know, you know, how's it going to, is he going to come out more aggressive because he wants to get him out of there? Is he going to come out less aggressive because he wants to conserve energy? It's going to be really interesting to see how they uh, change from the first fight, both of them. Yeah, that's a good point. Optics were won by Volk, I'd say, in that fight. But (laughs) so good. All right. Let's transition to cool. Let's transition to uh, this weekend. Uh, Yusuf versus Barboza. A um, couple okay fights on here. Nothing too crazy, um, but I'll share the screen nonetheless. Uh, Darren Elkins, fifty USADA tests. Uh, congrats to him. We'll talk about USADA in a minute. Um, this is a good fight. TJ Brown, always game. Terrence McKinney stepping in for everyone, it seems like, lately. Um, Chris, all right, this is a good fight. I don't know why this isn't on the main card. Chris Gutierrez versus Alatang uh, Haley. Yeah, it, it was an even better fight, too. It was going to be him versus Montel Jackson, which I was really looking forward to. <laughs> that was going to be awesome. I mean, both those guys are on really nice runs. I mean, Gutierrez did have a little setback with Munoz, but they're both on good runs in the division. I mean, Alatang Haley is also a, a good fighter, and he's training at fight ready. He's a tough guy, so I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, fun matchup. Uh, Yoda versus Ducote. I, I, I'm pretty high on Ducote, personally. I think she, I, I forget whom she fought last time um she's fought no, no one but killers i mean she's had a I really mean, tough Gadinez, schedule yeah and angela hill that that's a big step up from jessica penne oh yeah um, no so yeah she's i mean she put on a great performance against penne um mckinney i don't know <sighs> he has potential but he, he he can't seem to just get a run going he might win one or two and then just get d- demolished um I mean, he's lived by the door, sword, die by the sword. Um, you can't miss a fight, and people hate him for some reason. I don't get it. I mean, the dude was literally dead at one point, and you know, came back, and he's still he's fighting in the UFC. So kudos to him, dude. I I don't get it either. I love Terrence McKinney. I I out of all the fighters on the roster, he is one of the ones that I really like, truly want to succeed in the UFC because 
like you mentioned, every single fight, whether it's win, lose, or draw, this guy is going to the death. I mean, he is in nothing but entertaining fights. He's pretty active. That's always a, a bonus as well. Um, he's game. I mean, this guy, he's just so so entertaining and he doesn't even really talk trash as far as i have seen from him he's not going in there saying like you know disparaging his opponent like i, I just don't get the terrence mckinney hate i do see it sometimes out there it's kind of odd um i i mean i really want this guy to succeed because i think skill wise he's a very good wrestler he has the potential to be a good striker he's very explosive and powerful he just hasn't refined it yet but if he can hone those skills a little bit i think he's He's going to be a, a force in the lightweight division. Yeah, and if you look at whom he's beat, Favola, I mean, Favola's looking great as of late. That aged well. Aged very, very well. For Siam, solid fighter. Um, th- this, If you haven't seen the Drew Dober-McKinney first round, go and watch that. They are swanging and banging for three minutes and 17 seconds. Awesome I mean, round. Arguably could have stopped Dober in that fight. You know, another ref could have stepped in and, and called it, you know? Yeah. And then Gonzalez, he beat Gonzalez by submission. Uh, this bomb fiend knockout was that's a tough one. Filthy. I yeah. mean, I mean, bomb fiend's a savage. There's no question about it. So that's not even a bad loss, man. Yeah. Um, Sadikov's really good too. Um, and he beat Mike Breeden. So yeah, this this has banger written all over it simply because it's Terrence McKinney. Um, Elkins versus T.J. Brown. Um, TJ sober TJ Brown might be a different animal, man. I don't know if you've seen, but um, you know, I th- I don't want to get mixed up. Um, I'm pretty sure he went to rehab and you know he got sober. But Dar- Darren the Damage Elkins, man, um, always game for anything. But I really think uh, TJ Brown will take this one. Yeah, I think you have to favor TJ Brown in this one, and I love Darren Elkins and. He's been in a lot of very entertaining fights. Um, you know, his finish of Mirshad Bektik is probably one of the best comebacks in the history of the UFC. But the dude is, you know, he's probably 40 years old by now. He his his nickname is the damage, and he takes a lot of damage. Now yeah. he can he can absorb it, right? Most of the time he can absorb that damage. But we saw in that Cub Swanson fight, that chin isn't always gonna hold up, man. I mean, sure, he didn't get knocked out cold, but he was getting hurt badly by Cub Swanson. And I'm not saying, I mean, don't get me wrong, TJ Brown is not nearly the same striker that uh Cub Swanson is, but he's younger, you know, he does carry some power in his hands, and he's dangerous on the ground, that's for sure. So yeah. if if Elkins plan which it has been traditionally especially in recent years to come in and wrestle these guys get them to the ground control them i just don't know if he's going to be able to do that against tj with you know his age with the damage that he's taken i mean i love, I love <laughs> the Darren damage Elkins, man, but, yeah. <laughs> yes and he has yeah. it tattooed right across his chest so yeah i respect Very i love the confidence i love the confidence but tj brown man shout out tj brown i think he follows me on instagram actually downtown tj brown okay this fight is Awesome. Cameron yeah. Simon versus uh Christian Rodriguez. Christian Rodriguez, um I mean he he beat down um Raul Rosas. Um that was pretty bad. Um proved made a lot of sense to me personally. Um and his only losses to Pierce in the UFC and Jonathan Pierce isn't a bum by any means. Um uh but yeah, I th- I think Simon, he's my age, which freaks me out. Um, oh, he's younger than I. Oh, he's younger than I am. But 
I mean, he the people he's beat, uh, solid solid opponents. But I think Christian Rodriguez is going to be a really good test for him because I think I mean they're both young guys. This this is a preview of the future of this division, I think. Yeah, no, this is um this is a tremendous matchup. I think you know for more casual viewers it might fly under the radar a little bit but definitely keep your eye on these guys regardless of the outcome i think that both these guys have a home in the bantamweight division they have a bright future cameron simon you know i think he trains out of the same camp as duplessis uh he's a very uh you know tough fighter he's pretty well-rounded um i wouldn't say he's incredible anywhere like his wrestling or his striking it's not like it stands out particularly but in the same way that duplessis is like that he just gets the job done i mean cameron simon knows how to win fights and he finished uh terrence mitchell in the last one um he had a bit of a weird fight with uh mana uh is that is that his name mana martinez i think but yeah i mean you know these are decent guys like mana is not a bad fighter um mana boy yeah mana boy you know so you know, he's facing some decent competition, but yeah, um, it's a big, it's a big test. Uh, Christian Rodriguez, he, he looked bad. I would say in that first round of the Rosas fight, like he definitely, you know, Rosas was kind of taking it to him, but he weathered the storm and then he really took it to Rosas. That so, was a beat down. Yeah. So he's, he started beating him up pretty bad after that. Um, he's very tough. Obviously we learned that from the Rosas fight. Uh, he's got a little bit more experience, not a ton more experience. He's still pretty young himself, but got a little bit more experience than Simon. I don't know, man. That's a tough fight to call. I almost would favor Cameron Simon in this fight, but man, it's tough, you know. And the odds are almost even on this one at minus one sixty two and plus one thirty six. Um, I mean, they're both so young, they're both so good. That's what's exciting about this one. Um, Michelle Pereira versus uh, Andre Petrosky. Um. Michelle Pereira moving up to middleweight after missing weight against uh, Stephen Wonderboy. Petrosky, he's been looking better and better each fight uh, with his grappling. Uh, I'm interested to see how less of a weight cut affects Michelle Pereira. I think he'll... Um, I don't know, because he's not hes not going to be big for middleweight, but he's big for 170. He's a, he's in the, he's a tweener, in my opinion. But Petrosky's a, a true middleweight. And whom did he beat last time? I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure he subbed a guy. Uh, oh, oh, right. That was Mearshart by split. Um, and then he beat uh, Wellington Terman earlier. But I think Petrosky gets this one done personally on the ground. Yeah, man. I think I think I'm on the flip side. You know, I think Michelle Pereira. He he is a big guy. Like he is a huge, uh, huge welterweight. Um, from what I've seen, at least. So I think he's going to fit in pretty nicely to this weight class. I think a lot of people when they uh they look at Michelle Pereira and they see you know his first fights in the UFC. Oh, he was doing backflips, right? He was throwing flying knees and spinning elbows. He was doing all this crazy stuff. And he got DQ'd and ended up losing to Diego Sanchez, which is a very bad loss to have on your record. But at the same time, look, this guy is on a five-fight win streak, beating the likes of Chaos Williams, Ponzinibbio, Nico Price, Fialio. I mean, he's beaten very good guys. And let's keep in mind, too, these are decisions. So we know Pereira has gas. And 
we know he struggles making weight. So imagine when he's up at 185 and he's not cutting that extra weight, how much more active is he going to be able to be? How much more explosive is he going to be able to be? I think if he can dial this in correctly, if he if it's a good weight cut for him, I think he wins this fight pretty handily. Petrosky in the last one against uh, Gerald Mearshart, I was not impressed, man. Gerald, Gerald Mearshart, you know, his striking is, is deceptively good. It's like, it looks really bad, but it's yeah. a little—it's a little bit better than it is. I mean, finds the know, target. Yeah, if I remember, wasn't Mearshart doing okay with Bruno Silva on the feet? So it's like, you know, Mearshart's not terrible on the feet, um, but at you know at this age, like at this stage in his career, um, that's a you know you should be dominating a guy like Gerald Mearshart if you're Andre Petrosky with your level of grappling, with your power that you carry, and it was a split decision. So I just. You know, I'm not super impressed uh, with these last couple performances, but it's going to be close. But I do think uh, Pereira, Michelle Pereira takes this one. Yeah, it'll be a good one. Um, all right. This fight's awesome. Jonathan Martinez versus Adrian Yanez. Um, Yanez. Oof, that's a mouthful. But it's fun to say, you. though. Yeah, it's fun to say. Yanez. But uh, shout out to Adrian Yanez, man. Um <sighs> This is a fun fight. Martinez coming off. Uh, whom did he beat last time? Um, uh, Saeed. Sa- yeah, Saeed Nurmagomedov on the Pyotr Jan versus uh, Dualish really card. Um, trying to think what to say about Martinez. I mean, he, I mean, okay, I mean, this Cub Swanson knockout, in my opinion, Cubs shouldn't have cut that. I don't think so. And they just demolished Vince Morales' leg. Shout out Vince Morales. Uh, check those leg kicks, buddy. Um, but Yanez's bo- boxing is so crisp. And I think if Martinez wants to win this fight, I don't think he's going to win it on the feet. I, he, I th- Obviously, he can catch him, but I think his fight, fight is won on the ground by Martinez. But if Giannis can stick his jab out there, I don't see Martinez getting close to him. Yeah, no, this is a... This is the best matchup on the whole card. And frankly, this is one of the best matchups that we've seen in a quite a while because the way I see it, right, Yanya is, is an incredible boxer. This guy, his hands are phenomenal. I mean, pound for pound, he is one of the most, he's one of the cleanest boxers in the UFC. He came in KO'd or TKO'd like four straight guys in the UFC. Uh, you know, not a super high level of competition. But then, uh, you know, Tony Kelly, for all the, crap that people give him not a terrible fighter um randy costa is not bad and then he stepped up against rob font and he was looking good against rob font right but then he got a little over aggressive rob font a veteran a tough guy who doesn't carry a ton of power in his hands but he you know rihanna has really overextended himself and font caught him and i thought font just really uh executed a good game plan once he adapted to what was happening but yanya is incredible boxer right And what makes it so interesting is that you see Jonathan Martinez and then he's got the kicks. This guy is one of the best kickers in the division. So you got one of of the best punchers versus one of the best kickers. And you mentioned the jab. If Yanez gets that jab going, it's going to be a battle of these long range weapons to set up their other attacks. So it's going to be Yanez's jab setting up his other attacks, his boxing attacks versus Martinez with the teep kick, with the leg kick, setting up everything else that comes with that. So you got a boxer versus, versus a Muay Thai fighter and I absolutely love it. This fight is incredible. And Jonathan Martinez, um, he finished Cub Swanson with a light kick in that fight and, you know, ground and pounded him after that. And did he finish uh, Vince Morales as well? No, he went to decision, but Vince was sitting. But his leg was. 
His leg yeah. was toast. Yeah, so this guy, it's going to be a problem, I think, if if he lands a couple of kicks. I mean, there, there are guys out there, Gaethje, for example, or um, – trying to think of some other examples Aldo, you know they kick your legs a few times and you're done like it two three times is all they need martinez is one of those guys if he connects with your legs even a couple of times that's that's all he needs you're going to be compromised for the rest of that fight and when you're a guy like adrian yanez who is primarily a boxer who is pretty heavy on that lead leg and does pressure forward so much he's going to have to do a good job of staying uh very close up right he can't be in that middle range or that long range where martinez can land those kicks he's gonna have to either be all the way in or all the way out and i think it'd be much smarter get in the pocket i know that martinez obviously he's a type you know muay thai fighter um that's his background and he's got great clinch work but i think yanez has great clinch work too i mean his dirty boxing on the inside yeah. is very very good i think that it would be smart for yanez to get in there work the body uh, and, and that's oh man i think the reason i love adrian yanez so much is his body work when i think about fighters that i really really enjoy watching the ones that always come to mind are guys that just rip to the body constantly and there is almost no one that rips better body punches than adrian yanez in the bantamweight division so th- i mean this fight is in my opinion can't miss like you have to watch if nothing else you have to watch this fight i agree i think this could have been a main event and i would have been cool with it oh, I, yeah. I wouldn't have any complaints 100 percent. uh not being disrespectful but i really don't want to spend too much time on this one uh <laughs> jennifer my versus viviani out uh both are slipping a little bit um Jennifer Maya, I mean, she's coming off two wins, but uh, Maya Morose and Casey O'Neill. This was O'Neill coming off an injury, and I'm not too high on Morose. And then, you know, Manon Fior, I saw that fight. That was actually pretty awesome. Uh, Catelyn Sermonara, Catelyn Chikagian, uh, lost there. Uh, She lost to Shevchenko. Um, She's good, but... I don't know this, I'm not saying this is Adarujo's time by any means, but um, you know, she, did she? I can't remember. If she beat Amanda Hibas. No, no, she lost to her. That's what I thought. It was. Oh my god! I think these stats have to be wrong. There's no yeah, way only. No. Yeah, there's no. no way only four strikes. I I remember that fight. There's there's no way only four strikes were landed. No, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but. I don't, there's not many implications here. Uh, I'm not saying there's like huge implications with either of these other fights, but like that this division's stagnant right now because they're going to make the trilogy. So I got my buy sub. That's, that's my prediction. Yeah. Um, this is definitely one of those fights where, you know, I just have a little bit of a hard time getting overly excited for it. You look at their records, right? Um, Jennifer Maya has gone to decision in all but one of her UFC fights. Vivian Arujo has gone to decision in all but one of her UFC fights. So they're decision fighters. This is going to go to decision. The odds for going to a decision are probably like minus 500 right now. But they're not overly exciting. I mean, Jennifer Maya really has become what she is just by being a bit tougher than most of the other women in this division. She is not overly skilled she has a good you know she's good on the ground she's not really submitting people but she does have good submissions i mean she's just not doing it very often but she's a good grappler she's a good wrestler but her striking is 
you know, decent. It's not bad by any means. She's just she's one of those fighters where you just look at her and you're like, yeah, she's okay. You know, she's yeah, all right. That's a great way <laughs> but, to put it. But nothing jumps off the page. None of her fights are memorable. The only thing I remember about her career really is that people were like, oh my gosh, because she won the first round against Shevchenko. And everyone was like, oh my, oh my God, Shevchenko, no. And then Shevchenko won the next four. So, you know, this fight is just not, like you said, what are the implications of this fight? If Jennifer Maya, okay, she's on a three fight win streak. Do we really want to see Jennifer Maya and get another title shot anytime soon? Not particularly. Arujo is on a two-fight losing streak. So if she loses this one, I mean, I guess maybe, you know, one more and then she's out. I, I don't know. I'm just not yeah. overly excited for this fight. I respect them both, and I respect anybody who steps into that octagon, but not yeah. not my cup of tea, man. Yeah, who, who would they fight? Lauren Murphy? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Misha Tate or something. <laughs> like they they that they should not have made that Lauren Murphy versus uh Andrade fight. That and that fight should have been stopped by the corner. Oh yeah. Dude, oh yeah, I, I remember they were telling like you're doing great. No. Your wife's getting beat up. Yeah, it, it was sad to watch. Um, am I mistaken or are they giving Misha Tate another main event? Or did they just announce that she was on a card but not the main event? Um, let me see. Dude, if they're giving Misha Tate another main event, I swear. Misha Tate, and this, look, I don't want to offend anybody out there, but the only reason why people like Misha Tate is because, well, okay, let me catch. I think a lot of people out there pretend to like Misha Tate more than they do as a fighter because she is beautiful. You know, she's a good looking woman, right? She's very good looking. And I think people tend to, they're like, oh, let's just stick her in a main event. She is boring. She is not a good fighter. Uh, when she came and fought Lauren Murphy, uh, that was one of the first fights I ever picked and was like, I think Lauren Murphy is going to win this fight. Not because Lauren Murphy's good. I mean, I, you know, she's certainly not. Just because Misha Tate is not good. She is not a good fighter. She was losing to Holly Holm. She pulled off an incredible submission. I'll always get great. Fantastic submission. Other than that, man. She got like, beat up by a man. Yeah, she's not. You know, she's lost four out of her last five. Like, And, and her last one was against Marion Renault. Yeah. That's you know tells you all you need to know right there. Um, she's fighting Julia Avila. That better not. I mean, there's no way that's a main. That's event. not a main event. I, can't I don't be. think so. I don't know. It's not, it can't be the main event. With I mean, Jared Cannonier and Roma Deliza on the card, that can't be the main event. Or Sean Brady and Kelvin Gastelum. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. There's no way. Or clear round. Dude, Ozzie Rob Font and Rob Font and Davison Figueroa. I this think that's the main event. This card's kind of fire. I think this is actually the main event. Font versus Figueredo. Oh, has yeah. to be. Joe Selecki and Drucker Close. Man, this card is good, dude. Roundtree and Merzikana. Whoa, we got to keep an eye out for... Soriano versus Stoltzfus. Ooh. Puna. We, we got to keep an eye out for this card. This is a fun... Guida versus Joaquin Silva. Oh, and that guy. Um, How do you say his name? Uh, Mesquiel Costa. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. But uh, he's an entertaining guy. I, I remember him because he has that uh, skin condition. But he is a very good fighter. A yeah, memorable this is, look. This is a that's a, this is a banging card, dude. Fine, Figueredo. Oof, man, that is something. That is something else. It's gonna <laughs> that be incredible. Is insane. Can't wait for that one. Oh, dude, this card's good. I I can't wait for December second. I, I I didn't expect to be excited for that day, but shoot. All right, I'm down. All right, main event time. Sadiq Yusuf versus Edson Barboza. Um, personally, 
I think Barboza should stop doing MMA and go into bodybuilding because what the hell is this physique? Good lord! Uh, get on the get on the horse meat, get on the get on the supplements. You have a future. Ronnie Coleman will help you out. But I don't have to think about this fight. This has a potential to be fun. Um, I'm not calling uh, Sadiq Yusuf a decision guy, but lately that seems to be the, the trend. But I think since Edson Barboza just brings the heat, you're not really going to see a decision in this fight because Sadiq Yusuf's probably going to be fighting off the back foot. Uh, Barboza coming off a win against Billy Q. Uh, brutal knee. Absolutely brutal. Um, and Sadiq Yusuf coming off um, a win against uh, Shanus. Um And Caceres. So... Yusuf needs to fight more, um, but I'm not. I'm not too excited for this main event personally. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I'm pretty excited for it, um, just because you know Edson Barboza, like yeah. you said, he always brings it, man. Um, all of his fights are pretty exciting. Uh, he's very powerful, very quick and explosive. Even at this age, man, he is so explosive, which is really incredible. And something that always amazed me about Edson Barboza is that no matter how old he gets or who he's fighting, his timing is, is one. I mean, he has some of the best timing in the UFC. You look at the knockout of Billy Q, reminiscent of the knockout of Dariush. I mean, you just look at the like the finish of Dan Hooker. If anybody ever wants to watch one of the worst beatdowns in UFC history, arguably the that's brutal. Like one of the worst beatdowns you'll ever see is Edson Barboza just beating up on Dan Hooker and breaking him down until Dan Hooker was like keeled over, about to just pass out. Um, Barboza is a tough guy you know a lot of his fights um that he lost up at lightweight were very close decisions like the felder fight the dan when he moved down i thought he beat dan Ige in that first fight and i think that really would have changed his career quite a bit but it was close you know and then uh ran into some trouble with giga you know a little bit of trouble he got knocked down by bryce mitchell which isn't a great look but i think it, it was one of those cases where he was so ready for the takedown he's expecting it so much that mitchell just caught him and so I think on the feet, Barboza is going to present problems to anybody. Obviously, the dude is an incredible striker. And Sadiq Yusuf, like you mentioned, he's a great striker too. Um, he's not as powerful, I think, as people believe he is. You know, he had a couple of good finishes. He came to the UFC, beat a guy who nobody really knows too much. I mean, he beat Mowgli, you know, Gabriel Benitez after that. And Gabriel Benitez is pretty good. Um, but then he, you know, rattled off a couple of decisions. I just don't think... I think it was the timing. It was the shot placement for him. Um, his last fight, he definitely was more aggressive, but that was like a last second replacement. Don Shanus, not nearly the same level of uh, fighter as a guy like Barbosa or even Caceres, for example. But I will say the Caceres win is good because I, I actually really uh, like Alex Caceres. I think he's a much better fighter than people give him credit for. So Sadiq Yusuf, I think, very talented. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a tough dude. Um, he can mix in the grappling a little bit here and there. Definitely going to be primarily a striking matchup. But yeah, I think I think Barbosa can get it done. Man, I know that he's you know a little bit older now, but Yusuf is not one of those guys that's going to bring the pressure. No. The times the times that we've seen Barbosa really struggle is 
Habib, is Gaethje, is guys that are just marching him down and plotting forward and throwing big shots, taking him down, tiring him out. I just don't see Sadiq Yusuf implementing that game plan. Now, he could come in there and implement that type of game plan, which would be very smart. Yeah, he has the skill set to do it. Yeah, I mean, like, just if you look, think about it. Real, I mean, look at the guys we lost to um, Bryce Mitchell, Habib, Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson. These guys are all pressure fighters. They're all pressure. They're all walking forward. They're all trying to take him down. They're all trying to take his head off. So I just don't see Yusuf. Uh, I just don't see him doing that. No, I don't either. Um, I, I, think, I think I think it'd be pretty fun. You know, it yeah. should be a fun fight. I think Barboza will win by knockout. That's how I see it. Going. Yeah, I could see it. And the one thing I always look forward to about Edson Barbosa fights is when he finishes them, they're always like the craziest finishes. You know, Billy Q, a knee up the middle. <sighs> Shane Burgos, the most delayed reaction to a punch in UFC history. That was scary. Yeah, that was pretty scary. You've got um, Dan Hooker, where he just finishes with like a spinning back kick. Hooker's just like bent over himself. Daryush, flying that, knee. That's brutal. Know. I mean, go all the way back to probably one of the most well-known knockouts in UFC history where he finished Terry Adam with a spinning wheel. I mean, this guy, every time he finishes someone, it is a highlight. This guy is a walking highlight when he finishes people. So I think it's going to be, you know, if he does it, it's going to be spectacular probably. Yeah, and and the thing with what makes Barboza so tough to fight is that he doesn't project anything. He projects nothing. Everything yeah. is chambered uh without any projection i mean he's yo he's yeah. phenomenal fighter I mean, if you watch the terry adam fight he literally just went from a bladed stance facing terry adam to the next second he was turning into a kick and his foot was hitting his head it's like how does how does one's body even rotate that quickly with no tell no setup yeah it's cr- crazy absolutely i can't speak highly enough of it's a Barbosa. One probably one of the better fighters to never uh fight for a title. Yeah, man. He got close a couple of times, but he always just had a little setback. Like, you know, the setback to Habib, the setback to Tony. I mean, he he got close, man, but Gaethje, yeah. Lots of dang, man. Would have been awesome. All right. USADA. So uh, if you guys haven't heard, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't heard about uh, you know, the changes to two ninety four or USADA. So UFC will not be using USADA uh, anymore after this year is over. Um, so Conor McGregor just got back in the pool, and then they said, yeah, he's back in the pool, but after January 1st, 2024, doesn't really matter anymore. I'm trying to find the statement uh, that USADA put out because it was pretty... <laughs> Interesting. Dana White is not, of course, Uncle Dana's not happy. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's not um, amicable. It's a little bit hostile, I would say, yeah. between these two parties. But all you need to know, anyone out there, just go to YouTube and watch uh, a video by this channel called Mojahead Food Elite, I believe is how you pronounce it. Just go watch his video. He makes like animations um, of UFC fighters and Dana White. And he did one on this uh, situation. And it is very funny. So if you want to know about the situation, just go watch that. And it'll explain it to you. Yeah, for sure. And you know, apparently they're not. The UFC is not happy with how they treated Connor. Um, I'm looking some at stuff from Aaron Bronstetter. Um, one, of, I think one of the better MMA reporters, in my opinion. Um, they're disappointed for the UFC athletes. Um, 
Yeah, USADA is. Now, if I'm not mistaken, what USADA is claiming is that they wanted Conor McGregor, obviously, to get back into the testing pool, to wait his six months in order to be eligible to fight. And according to USADA, and I'm not saying whether this is true or not, this is what USADA is saying, is that the UFC was trying to pressure them into letting Conor fight without having to wait in that six-month time window. That's, from what I've heard, is what they're alleging. Yeah. Um, and this is from... This is what brought the relationship between USADA and the UFC became untenable given the statements by UFC leaders and others questioning USADA's principled stance that Conor McGregor not be allowed to fight without being in the testing pool for at least six months. One UFC commentator echoed this, recently declaring that USADA should not oversee the UFC program since we held firm to the six-month rule involving Conor McGregor. And since we do not allow fighters without an approved medical basis to use performance-enhancing drugs like experimental unapproved peptides or testosterone for healing or injuries to get back into the octagon. Uh, so the UFC is using a new anti-doping agent. Well, it's not new, but a different one. It's one the NFL, MLB, and everyone else uses. I mean, I, think I don't know, could, man. I think it could be a good thing because I think USADA is trash anyway. I mean, USADA... We can all pretend, right? We can sit here and pretend that fighters in the UFC aren't on steroids, but many of them are. I mean, it's very obvious. You can just look at them and, you know, you can kind of, oh, yeah, this guy's probably uh, on some type of steroid. Now, there's a lot of issues I have with USADA. Like one of them is there's a thing called uh, like a location violation for um, USADA testing. Yeah, so they'll... They'll ask a guy, say it's, uh, you know, back when Brock Lesnar, oh, hey, Brock, where are you? Where are you at right now? We're going to come test you. Brock Lesnar says, oh, I'm in Minnesota. I'm back home. They show up to his house in Minnesota. They say, Brock, you're not here. Where are you actually at? He's like, oh, sorry, guys. I'm in uh, Las Vegas right now. And they're like, oh, oh, darn. You can do that three times per year, right? So there are guys who have probably been on steroids and you saw to ask where they are. They give a false location they're somewhere completely different usada does not follow up and you can have three of those per year that is insane yeah right there's also cycling on and off steroids which as long as you're not tested in the window of time when you are cycling on to a steroid if you can cycle off at a uh a good enough, you know, in a good enough time frame then when you get tested by usada after you're off of it then Technically, you're not on steroids. Now, I'm not saying they should barge into people's homes at three in the morning, wake the, you know, them and their family up, which is also like, that's another thing that's ridiculous. You saw that there's so many things wrong. Yeah. And uh, I feel like they're, they're lax in so many areas. And then they, they'll just go to like Volkanovsky in the middle of the night. It's like, what? I mean, there some of these guys, they're testing like 40, 50 times really for no reason. Um, and then other people, they just kind of let slip through the cracks. So I have very, I have a ton of issues with USADA anyway. I, I believe USADA when it comes to the Conor McGregor thing. I do think the UFC was probably trying to pressure them to get Conor back in there without the six-month time window. But I just think USADA sucks. And if they can find a better anti-doping agency, then I'm all for it. But I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC was trying to get Conor back in there. You know? Yeah, and I think... uh, I'm trying to get my thought together on this one. I don't... Like, if you're not going to... I mean, if you're not testing people like Yuri Prohaska, like every other day, practically, you can get away with it. Um, 
you're going to find metabolite for stuff and everything, but I just don't think that it's really a trying to think of the word. It's nothing. There's nothing. There's no, um, you can't rely on it all the time. And I mean, obviously things are going to slip through the cracks anyway. That's just how it works. But I think USAD also didn't want to change their ways. And I know Hunter Campbell and what's Jeff Nowitzki um, had a press conference yesterday. I'll probably watch it after this. They're talking about, you know, we don't agree with some of USADA stuff. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I know John Jones is like, he come out, he came out like, hey, give me my, give me my win back with DC. Because, you know, he never cheated the sport. Pico yeah. Grams. I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard to say, man. I don't. I don't, I've never really taken a hard position when it comes to the John Jones steroid use thing, because I mean, if we're being honest, right, Anderson Silva popped at one point in his multiple times, I think in his career as well. So when people talk about, oh, this guy being clean, this guy not being clean. Yeah. I mean, a lot of your favorite fighters have popped at some point. I mean, even one of the Diaz bros popped for a supplement at one point. Um, so, I mean, look, you know, I'm of the belief that most guys in the UFC take steroids or have taken them at one point or another and i don't really have an issue with it it's a super tough sport it is um grueling the training that's involved as long as they're doing it in a safe manner because people when they hear the word steroid right they think oh you just shoot something into your veins and you look like brock lesnar right that's not how steroids work there are steroids that can help you um, reduce, you know, your white blood cell count to have better stamina. There are, you know, there are various different types of steroids that help you with various different things. And if you're doing that in a safe manner and there aren't harmful side effects to these steroids that you're using, I don't have an issue with it. We just have to be open about it and say, yes, we are using these um, supplements or steroids to help with our performance you know, here's the upside, here's the downside, potentially, whatever, just as long as you're open about it. But I mean, I just hate this game that we have to play of like pretending that, you know, oh, you know, USADA did such a good job. There aren't really, you know, people in the UFC aren't even using steroids. Like, come on, guys. Come on. Come on. I mean, Sean, o- Sean O'Malley popped at one point. Yeah. And uh, Brian Ortega. Yeah, exactly. Lots of people you don't know about, guys. Um <laughs> It's, I don't know, hopefully it gets better. But, dude, we forgot to talk about the biggest combat sports event this weekend. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, that would be Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis. And KSI versus Tommy Fury. Uh, oh, I quick, forgot about that. <laughs> quick, quick preview of KSI, Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury destroys him within two rounds. I don't see that fight going anywhere. Um, if Tommy Fury takes it seriously, KSI is getting knocked out. Oh, uh, yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I think KSI, eh, you know, I mean, he's okay. He's not a bad boxer or anything, but I've never seen anything that impressed me too much with him. But Tommy Fury is like an actual legit boxer. Um, he's the son, obviously, of Tyson Fury. So and that John, definitely... The, the, the brother of Tyson Fury. Or brother, sorry. Yeah. Son of oh, John Fury. Son of John Fury, yes. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You know, yeah, so I, I think uh, I think Tommy Fury. Yeah, I think he probably probably wins. Yeah, and then Logan uh, Dylan Danis, man, he's been something different on Twitter over the past month, and we talked about this uh, posting pictures of Nina Agdahl, uh, Logan Paul's fiance. It's 
it's real, man. And did you see the press conference yesterday? Uh, Logan Paul, like, uh, underhand threw a mic at uh, Dylan Danis's torso, and Dylan Danis chucked a mic at his head, and he cut Logan Paul right below the right below the eye. So the fight's not off. But man, that's yeah. dangerous. You know, one yeah. little cut could uh, throw the whole fight. Yeah. So Mike Perry might have had to step in. He's I would have loved that for the for the co-main and the main. <laughs> it's always a fun time seeing Mike Perry just like any i don't like any fight any promotion against anybody i'm down to watch mike perry fight you know he's always around (laughs) yeah he is always around just doing something to do with fighting so good for him but when it comes to that one man i know a lot of people hate logan paul it's easy it's very easy to hate logan paul he is a despicable guy i've actually hated logan paul since before it was cool to hate logan paul back when he was um fine that, yeah, well, yeah, way back then, uh, just because he was annoying, but also, too, when he was, you know, getting really famous on YouTube, and, well, I guess it was kind of popular to hate him when he did the whole Japanese suicide forest thing, or even before that, when he just went to Japan and was, like, throwing pokeballs at people, you know, like those little Pokemon things, and it's like, dude, I mean, you're just a disrespectful, you know, piece of bleep, I mean, come on, man, so... I hate Logan Paul. With all that being said, Dylan Dennis is not a boxer. This guy is great at jujitsu. I mean, my God, this guy is (laughs) fantastic. I mean, his grappling skills off the charts. One of the best grapplers in the world, probably. But he has not been active. He's been injured. He had like, from what I heard when he was on Ariel Hawani, he was talking about he had like one of the most devastating knee injuries. And then he went to get a skin or like, you know, they went to do a graph for his knee and it failed. And so he had to get a whole nother surgery. So it's just like, man, is this guy going to be a hundred percent? And even if he is a hundred percent, like I said, he's not a boxer. The only time he's even competed in MMA was like twice in Bellator. So I think Logan Paul dominates this guy. Not that I'm happy about it. I just, not not even that Logan Paul is good. This is not a reflection of Logan Paul's skills. This is a reflection of Dylan Dennis and his skills or lack thereof. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, something tells me Dylan Dennis will take this seriously, though. Um, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, and anybody who's that high level of an athlete is going to be able to adapt to another sport like fairly quickly. Yeah, so. he's I mean, if, if he puts his hands on you, you're done. If this was an MA match, I mean, Logan Paul is a phenomenal, actually a phenomenal wrestler. Um he placed it out. He was going to do D1 at Ohio University. So it's not like he's a bum, but. Yeah, yeah. You know. And Drake placed an $850,000 bet on uh, Logan dude, Paul to win the fight. Man, if there is. He won a bet on. Dude, dude, if there is anything that is actually convincing me that Dylan Dennis will win this fight, it is the fact that Drake put money on Logan Paul. Because. Almost everybody Drake bets on, they find a way to lose. They could be minus 750, minus 1,000, and they will find a way to lose that fight. I don't know if Drake has some type of, like, he's doing tax write-offs. He's like, oh, I need to you know get some losses. I need to write this. Like, I don't know what he's doing. But this man loves to lose money betting on fights. Uh, so, And he always just, like, straight money line. He, I don't know. To why no, I, yeah, I don't know why no one around Drake has told him, "Hey, Drake, when someone is like a giant favorite, don't just straight money line bet them. That is a terrible idea." I don't know why he keeps doing that. He I mean, what are John Jones though? Yeah, but that's like John Jones, in my opinion, is free money. Like anytime you can get John Jones for <laughs> less than, I, no, I'm like when I saw him as minus like three fifty against Stipe, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm about to." 
mortgage a house right now because <laughs> I think that John Jones should be like minus fifteen hundred in that fight, legitimately. I mean, that's that's how highly I think of John Jones. So that that's kind of a free square, you know. That's true. Uh, outside of that, nothing much. Um, pretty uh, tame week. So yeah. Oh, and Logan Paul brought uh, Chris Hansen and uh, Gordon Ryan to the weigh-ins. Wow. Chris that's, Hansen. Yeah, that's a weird guy to, to bring. We shout Chris Hansen. Doing God's work. Uh, is, he anyway, implying, that, is he implying that Dylan Dennis is like a pedophile or something? Or? I, uh, <laughs> let me see. That might, I mean, that's kind of a random uh, guy to he, bring in logan this is from mma fighting logan paul trots out to catch a predator host chris hansen to confront dylan danis over harassment uh oh about like this girl <laughs> paul said he resorted to attacking an innocent bystander woman for this entire fight build up dylan danis is a stalker you've got over 600 photos of my of my fiance on your phone on your personal phone you have an entire gallery of a woman you've never met that's weird that's not normal behavior you're a stalker you're a cyber bully listen you know what I would say in response to that, if I were Dylan Dennis, is where did those 600 photos come from? Why are they all publicly available and why was I able to access them very easily? Like, I don't think Dylan Dennis is scouring through the depths of the Internet, emailing people like, hey, can I get this photo of Nina? These are publicly available photos that you can just look up. on. You could anybody can go on Google right now, type in Nina Agdahl whoever insert name and there'll probably be a picture of her with them because she has apparently just been with literally like hundreds of guys so i think that's more of a reflection on her than it is on dylan Dan. I, was, I hate that argument when it's like oh my god like you're you're stalking her oh duh, duh, duh. he's screenshotting pictures off the internet it literally takes not even a full second i can do it to press your fingers together like this, take a screenshot and then upload. The whole process of screenshotting a photo to uploading the photo takes maybe one minute. So the idea that he's spending all this time, he, oh, he's seeking these out, is pretty absurd in my opinion. Yeah. And now uh, there's a temporary restraining order with uh, Agdal and Dylan Dennis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I th- will end it there, man. I don't want to. This has been a long episode, but. Uh, exciting stuff. Um, Toby, you got anything else to add? Uh, no, actually, the only other thing, I totally forgot to mention this, but uh-huh. I imagine Charles, I think Charles, it had to have been a headbutt, right? There's no way. I mean, maybe. Maybe one of his sparring partners was like, I could see them at shoot box just like throwing elbows and stuff. Yeah. But I, I would imagine that bad of a cut, probably a headbutt or something, yeah. like an accidental clash of heads, you know? Yeah, that was bad. But anyway, we're out of here, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Peace out. Peace.